0: Hello and welcome to Clout, a podcast profiling Australia's future leaders in Asia. I'm Lucy Duke.
1: And I'm Brodie Burns Williamson. Thanks for joining us.
0: Each week, we talk to Aussies making an impact in their community to learn about the dash of language, the pinch of culture, and the blind luck that led them to where they are today.
1: We ask our guests to take us on their journey to Asia capability by sharing with us their choice of food song, show, and person to help us understand what being an Aussie with clout is all about.
0: My guest today is Ben McMahon, a Chinese social media influencer turned property developer. Ben's China journey is a story of Yuanfen, fate. Having studied at Beijing's Peking University and Shanghai's Fudan University, as well as travelled all over China, Ben founded a Chinese language walking tour company in Melbourne. Then went on to starring in a number of Chinese TV shows, including Fei Chen Wu the popular Chinese dating show better known in Australia as If You Are the One, Han Yu Chao, Chinese Bridge the annual worldwide Chinese proficiency competition for foreigners to showcase their Chinese speaking and performance, mega reality TV show, 七子的浪漫旅行, which is in English, Viva La Romance, and most recently, reality TV show, Informal Talks, Fei 非正式会談. Today, we asked Ben to take us on his journey to Asia capability by nominating a food a song, a TV show, and person that help us understand what being an Aussie with clout is all about. Welcome, Ben.
1: G'day, Lucy. Thank you very much for having me on the show. I'm so excited. And I had to do my little plug that I do at the start of every show that I do there.
0: (laughs) I love it. I love it. I want to start... By having you tell our listeners today your journey in learning Chinese and becoming one of really the household names on Chinese social media, founding your own travel company and leading to what you're doing today.
1: Sure thing, Lucy. It is a very, in Chinese, as we'd say, very rich and varied adventure and journey that I've been on. And it started... Well, a long time ago now, and originally with Chinese, I started my connectional first uh, meet with Chinese in high school, mm. and we had to choose a we had to choose two foreign languages actually. One was, and I started French in junior school, which I was never very good at, mm-hmm. and the other language originally I was going to go. Oh, let's just do German. I mean, it's European, it's kind of the same. You <laughs> and then I remember really clearly that day being dropped off to school from my father. And he asked, oh, you know, Ben, what sort of languages are you doing? And I said, well, French. And he said, yep, yep, good, good. And then I said, and I'm thinking German. And he went, oh, you know what, Ben? I reckon it's probably worth trying Chinese. I've just got this feeling that China's going to be a really, really big country. And at that stage, my father had gone back and forth from China quite a bit for some property projects that he was looking at. And each time that he'd go through Shanghai, he'd see Pudong, which, you know, over the past 30 years has gone from fish yards or, you know, basically nothing to mm-hmm. this huge metropolis of huge buildings and, you know, second biggest building in the world, et cetera. And so he felt that China was going to grow really, really fast. And then at the stage, you know, we had a little bit of a fight, me saying, look, I don't want to do a language, that they use pictures and then funny <laughs> tones to speak and blah, 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 ended up really in tears with me, but just, okay, I'll do it. <laughs> and I did it. And I I fell in love with it. I thought it was the most fascinating language with the pictures. And I did a lot of art in high school and I always loved just how every character has its own history and its meaning. And for example, the character for family, Jia, the top of it, is a roof and the bottom of it is a pit because, I guess, back in the day maybe you'd have your stock under the house and then, you know, above the house you'd have a chimney and so that means home or family, you know, and this sort of stuff, it goes on and on and on with all the various different characters and words in Chinese and from the start that was just such a fascinating thing for me about how the language is just so meaningful. And so I, you know, I did a little bit there and then ended up going over to Beijing and I studied in Beijing and I also studied in Shanghai. And from then onwards, it was just this, like you mentioned, you fate, fake, mm. lots and lots and lots of different events, which has kind of culminated and led up to where I am today. And I've been on this wild journey where it's almost just taken me along and one thing's led to another. Be it, you know ending up founding the travel company in Melbourne because i felt that you know chinese tourists weren't serviced in these city tours and hearing you know local stories about where's the best coffee shop or you know where's the best kind of places to buy this and the stories about the history and of everyone that kind of led towards melbourne today and then going over to film you know, tv shows in china and then you know then I went on to be a real estate agent, mainly focused on selling to Chinese investors and Chinese developers, and then now focus more on property development. It's been a really wild journey, and there's been so many people that have kind of led to me where I am today, be it Chinese teachers, be it directors, be it you know, work colleagues and friends and family, but I've been truly blessed about you know where I am today, and I'm excited for you know, what the future holds.
0: Yeah, that's amazing. And do you and your father think back to that first moment? It's, I have to say, not very common. I definitely haven't had many instances of my friends who come from non-Asian backgrounds or non-Chinese backgrounds, whose parents forced them pretty much to study Chinese.
1: I think, and, and that's what I joke about with a, particularly a lot of my Chinese friends or my ABC friends. You know, they talk about, oh, you know, my, my parents, they forced me to do this and they want me to be a doctor and a lawyer and, and you know, forced me to do this, this, this and learn violin, etc. Hey, my dad did the same. <laughs> I was forced <laughs> to learn guitar and piano when I was younger. I was forced <laughs> to learn Chinese. But at the same time, like, I'm incredibly thankful. So, you no, know, he does remind me very frequently about, you know, whenever I go on a new TV program or, or, you know, have some sort of deal with the Chinese investors and stuff. Ben, remember, remember who who told you to learn Chinese? (laughs) (laughs) Or have to get your dad on the show. (laughs) He doesn't speak any Chinese though.
0: (laughs) You should teach him a few words. (laughs) I've tried. (laughs) Well, why don't we start first with your nomination of food as part of this episode. What have you nominated for us today?
1: Well, I have nominated Shanghai dumplings or Xiongba, which are the most delicious, scrumptious Chinese food, if not food in the world. <laughs> Anyone that hasn't had them before, like let me introduce just what they are. Please. It can depends what changes a little bit here, but generally it might be pork or some sort of seafood on the inside. And then it's got this soup around it, and then the dumpling, what do you call it? Like a skin. Skin. Yes, skin. I was was about to say bowl, but I don't think that's English Uh, (laughs) around the outside of it. And it's just the most delicious explosion of flavor when you eat it. And there's a lot of different ways to eat it. And the more traditional way is to take a small bite out of the top. Then you suck out the juice and then you eat the remainder. But I can tell you from experience that the best way, if not the only way to eat it, and it's a little bit risky, is to just shove it in your mouth. And just eat it in one. Now, there's a huge risk, right, that you'll burn your tongue and burn your mouth, but it just tastes so good.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Very contentious there, the way to eat a Shao Bao.
1: Yeah, and so eating that sort of stuff, it reminds me of my time living in Shanghai. It reminds me of all those great experiences with friends and with colleagues, you know, chatting and laughing over dumplings and tea or dumplings and coffee or dumplings and and, and beer. or dumplings and (laughs) baijiu.
0: Absolutely. How long were you in Shanghai for?
1: I lived there for over a year. Um, That was when I was studying at Fudan University. But since then, it's been kind of my second home. So every year pre-COVID, I was back and forth between China almost every month. And each time normally I'd go through Shanghai. And so it was kind of my home away from home.
0: Mm, Yeah, great. So for our songs today, you actually gave me two songs. The first is Dong Xiao Jie, which is Miss Dong, by Beijing folk singer, songwriter Song Dong Ye. Can you tell us a bit about why that's
1: special to you? Sure thing. Now, that song, if you've never heard it before, it's got so many feels. Like, it's just... I agree. I you know, low bass song. And the first time I heard it was when I was backpacking through Yunnan province and western Sichuan. And so we're going through these and wild Tibetan fields out in these lands of just seas of mountains and people riding on horses and everything. And it just, when I every time I hear the song, I feel like I'm just transported back to those times and transported back to Tiger Leaping Gorge and walking along there. And just, it's the most beautiful feeling when I hear the song. And the song itself, like, it's quite sad, a lot of it, but it kind of addresses sometimes about, you know, being different. Not Being an outlier a little bit, and not that's how I kind of see myself, but definitely my journey has been different to the average person, but it's kind of about finding your identity in amongst all this chaos that's around you, keeping those that you love close to you and holding them really close to your heart. But it's got a lot of feel. So if you haven't heard it, I'd recommend a listen and try maybe try it at KTV next time you're out.
0: Yeah, I, I second that. That song really gives you goosebumps. I think I got goosebumps the first time listening to it. The entire album is beautiful. He has this incredible voice. And for people who you know, can, can read Chinese and understand Chinese, the lyrics are very special.
2: Dong You 就算你和我一样我也是个复杂的动物 嘴上一具带过, 所以那些可能都不是真的 董小姐,
0: well, the second song, which I will allow you to talk a little bit about, <laughs> is by Eric Chow, 以后别做朋友. It's translated in English, I think. Is yeah, the I'm Distance afraid. of Love.
1: I think that's a better name because literally translated is Let's Not Be Friends. That's correct. <laughs> that song is really interesting. It was played in a Taiwanese TV series called 十六个夏天, which is, I think, 16 summons Mm -hmm. and it's it's a series of love and stuff I really liked it and I remember I watched the whole series but the song itself it's really moving because it's like let's not be friends because uh, it it talks about like you know wanting to be in love with someone but talking about really you know they're scared of hurting someone because friends you know can't hold hands with each Mm -hmm. other and stuff and so it 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 kind of reflects this TV series that it was about and love is painful and love is dangerous and you risk hurting each other. And so that song there, it was probably one of the first ones that I could sing without the lyrics too. And oh. horrible. I don't know what it is, but just being able to remember song lyrics. So I'm good at KTV because I can read the lyrics off the screen, but mm. that was the only ones that I learned, you know, without any needing to look at the lyrics. And so I've sung it on a couple of TV shows that I went on. So this is kind of my go-to song, I guess.
3: Ting 从前你往未来飞又不能牵手 想爱你的冲动, 我只能笑着带过, 最好的朋友, 有些梦, 不能说出口, 就不用承担,
0: or well, speaking of dating shows, who have you nominated as a person you consider to have great clout?
1: Well, he's one of my uh, Chinese language role models. Mao <laughs> uh, <laughs> is, I think, a lot of people would know as uh, the funny, bald TV host of If You Are the One. And he hosts a Chinese date show that I went on called Feet and Wura. And he's been hosting that for ages. And he's really down to earth like he's a megastar in China and he started off being he was a news reporter actually originally and then he started adding his own sort of perspective and comments on these news things and then kind of rose to fame from that and then went on to started hosting date shows and he's hosted lots of shows since but I remember when I was first living in China and a really good way to improve Chinese is to watch tv shows and so this crazy show about dating and it can be absolutely brutal if you haven't seen it you know one guy comes out and then there's 24 girls on stage and then they'll ask everything from how much you're making, you know, to you know, do you have your own house? Do you have a car? <laughs> mm-hmm. And it's really a lot of fun. And so I was fortunate enough to have the opportunity of going on the show, which I wanted to do for a while, but I was probably a bit young originally. And then I thought, well, you know, if the moment comes up that I'm single that the show, there's an opportunity that I'd love to go on it. And so he was really nice. Like he's a superstar. And so when both on stage and off stage, and so he's been a bit of a role model, I guess, for learning Chinese.
0: And he's been to Australia as well? Or you've yes. only met him? Uh, yeah. He's
1: quite good friends with another Chinese comic called gang and gang has a house in Melbourne. And they, so I think Fei pre-COVID, he would come to Australia quite often and he'd go to Sydney and Melbourne. And then I think he opened a noodle place in Melbourne one time. And so I was able to sit down with him, have some noodles as well, and chat about, you know, all the good memories <laughs> from the date show. But... Yeah, no, he, he Fei really likes Australia.
0: Yeah. no, it's great. I'm always a big fan of anyone who uses food as a way to bridge culture and differences.
1: It's probably the best way, I think, you know, <laughs> over, over some noodles or some xiaongbao, you know, you can bridge any sort of relationship over food.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. And finally, what have you picked for your TV show nomination?
1: Well, I've given a bit of a shameless plug for the TV show that I'm on. Go for it. <laughs> in English, it's called Informal Talks. In Chinese, it's called Feed Jungshu Hui Tan. And in short, and we are chatting about this a bit before, how do you mm. summarise this sort of story? Like, it is a little bit difficult. You've got 10 people from around the world and so you might have south africa japan korea iran australia and they're representatives from their country and so they either live in china or they live overseas but they can speak mandarin so it's not anyone's first language but you're all connected through china and through the language so we've got 10 guys originally it's guys now it's guys and girls but sitting down on a table and we you know we debate about various topics which are relevant to chinese youth and We talk about these topics and then we talk about, you know, we do funny games and stuff and it's that Asian-style TV show with things popping out of the screen and, you know, you're doing adventures and challenges. But it's really, really good and the show is really genuine because they find people and they want you to be yourself and they want to hear literal stories from your own life about these sort of things and you have this amazing cultural dialogue between, say, you've got, you might have, Someone from America and then another guy from Japan, and they're talking about living in China, or they're talking about eating something, or they're talking about like there's so many different topics we've explored. And it's really interesting hearing it from, you know, one culture to the next. Mm. But then our common language isn't English, it's Mandarin. So it was a really exciting show to be involved in when, you know, we went off and we filmed in Beijing, we filmed in, in all over China. In fact, I was in Beijing filming one season in. January 2020, just as COVID started out, so mm-hmm. I came back to Australia and was meant to fly over to film the rest of the se- the rest of the season in February. But of course, Wuhan, which is the city where you know, it was first locked down in the world, it went into lockdown. So the TV crew couldn't get out of the city, and then Beijing went into lockdown, and then by March, Australia was into lockdown. <laughs> I haven't been able to get back to China for two years. So what the show ended up doing, because there was a lot of people that were stuck overseas, there was a guy mm-hmm. stuck in Italy, there was a guy stuck in Japan, guy stuck stuck in America, that we said, okay, we'll change it from informal talks so in Chinese. I'll try my best to translate. Fei hui tan. Huitan, tan is like a what, what do you say? It's like,
0: like a, meeting room, round table, a
1: platform, or uh, yeah, a, a meeting room. To we did Fei Zhongshou tan, and Wotan means bedroom. And so everyone was filming the show from their bedroom. So we had this big Zoom call, basically, of 10 guys chatting about these things, but all at different times. And the best thing was I was in Melbourne. So Melbourne and Beijing, the time difference is only two or three hours. Mm. Poor guy in America was filming at, like, you know, 2.30 in the morning. (laughs) He was half asleep on the screen. (laughs) Absolutely. Uh, Again, it was a really great cultural platform because you've got all these people from around the world that are talking about their experiences and how they see the world. And what it means to be, you know, German or what it means to be Australian, et cetera, et cetera, with this Chinese connected.
0: Mm. And for you, you know, being on this show and your participation, what has that meant in your China journey or Chinese language journey?
1: There's lots of cloud. Lots of cloud. <laughs> <laughs> for me, I've watched the show and I follow the show for a long time. And I've always really, you know, I love the opportunity if it arose to go on the show. But I think for me, like I remember going on the other show, Chinese Bridge, and that had, you know, 120 people from around the world for this iron person contest of Chinese. And it's not just speaking Chinese, like you got to dance, you got to sing, you got to recite poetry, you got to do knowledge and stuff. And it was a similar sort of thing, you know, we're all using Mandarin, we're all just speaking Chinese, and that's bridging the, between the cultures and countries. And so to go on this show was kind of the next stage for me that really solidifying, I guess who I am and my connection with China that you know I see you know my role and my position to bridge that gap or to create the connection between China and Australia. And it goes down I used to when I used to run the walking tour company in Melbourne, I used to always say to my Chinese participants and tourists that look in Victoria, Australia included, but Victoria particularly back in the Gold rush time, 25% of Victoria's population was Chinese. Mm. So Chinese identity is incredibly important in Melbourne and in Victoria and you know, hopefully it will continue to be important. So I think it's just, it's that kind of next step to continuing to create that connection between China and Australia for me.
0: Mm, amazing. I think that's an excellent place to wrap up. You know, this show and what we're talking about is really to challenge the common perceptions of what People with clout really means. And what we want to show in our show, and I think you've given us a really great taster, is how clout can come in very different forms. And for you, it's very much in the media space, really. But also, you know, we didn't talk so much about it, but in, you know, the property development space as well, and just in everyday life in in friendship in business as well so for us this episode is one of our series of various stories of Australians and their journey in leveraging their asian capability in building clout and making a unique impact in their community so thank you very much ben for sharing your story with us today
1: no worries lizzie thanks for having me on the show i think it's a really great initiative of what you're doing and there are so many stories like there are so many stories that I've come across and this is just with China and Australia about this journey of and it doesn't matter whether it's media whether it's property whether it's education there's just so many stories and it's really important I think because we're becoming a more and more global society and China's a really important partner with Australia and it's really important to have people that kind of keep bridging that gap keep encouraging the dialogue to you know make both countries better
0: amazing thank you
1: no Lucy, thanks very much and thanks guys.